Ethan Weiner collects strange and unusual names on his Funny Names website. I visited the site this past week and I just had to pass along some of these names to you. Let's begin with some strange names, like wouldn't you like to be named Yolanda Squat Pump? (laughs) Or Magdalena Babblejack? Adeline Jingle Dimes. <laughs> Here's one. Rotten Herb. <laughs> Why would any parent do that? <laughs> Beverage Moose. Can't you just picture this guy? I mean, you know, can you see him? <laughs> or how about some prophetic names? Like the two guys who were executed years ago in the Florida electric chair. One guy's name was Wilburn Quickly. <laughs> I'm not making this up. This is real. The the other guy's name was Hans Frizzle. (laughs) Or the Montreal window washer who fell to his death off the scaffolding. His name was Will Drop. (laughs) It's terrible. Or there's some occupational names. See if you can guess the occupations of these people. How about Tim Burr? <laughs> He's a logger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or how about Dr. DK? She's a dentist. Yeah. Absolutely. Or Sue Jew. It's a lawyer. <laughs> Way to go. I thought Kathy would get that one right away. Win, win some cash. He's a casino manager. <laughs> uh, Chris. P. Bacon. <laughs> it's a short order cook. Or Dan Druff. <laughs> a barber. <laughs> Dr. P. P. Peters. <laughs> I'm not making this up. As a urologist, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Bess Eaton. She owns a restaurant. Yeah, it's the best Eaton in town. Yeah. Justin Case. He's an insurance broker. Just in case, yeah. Dwayne Pipe. <laughs> He's a plumber, yeah. <laughs> Cam Payne. <laughs> yeah, actually, he's a, he's a campaign manager. <laughs> yeah. Read a story. Yeah, she works at the library. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. How about some business partners? These are, you know, names that go together, last names, like the two policemen called Go Forth and Catch Them. <laughs> or the two guys that own the furniture factory for churches called O'Neill and Pray. <laughs> or the yoga instructors kneel down and bend over. <laughs> or the two realtors, Doolittle and Dally. Now, I don't know that I'd list my house with them <laughs> if they're going to do little and Dally. And then there's wedding announcements. You know how they put the last names with a little hyphen and then the other last name, you know? Like McDonald Burger. (laughs) Or how about this one? Looney Ward? (laughs) Or Hardy Har? (laughs) Or You Go Nuts? (laughs) I like that one. Ours were Deck and Crew. Deck and Crew, there you go. Perhaps you've known somebody who's had a funny name. Here's some people I've actually met. I've known these people. 
I'm a rose bush. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I, I don't know why her parents gave her that name. Ivan Odor. <laughs> yeah, he stinks. Or Adam Baum. <laughs> Boo. No avail. Yes, to no avail. This is the son of a pastor friend of mine. They didn't even realize what they had done. And they told me his name when I visited in the hospital. I said, you got to be kidding. Him. Well, what? I said, no avail? Oh, no. <laughs> or how about Isidore Bell? <laughs> Ding dong. I knew the Bottom brothers. One guy's name was Harry. <laughs> Harry Bottom. His brother's name was Joe. <laughs> Joe actually was an Olympic uh, gold medal winner in swimming a number of years ago, but his brother's name was Harry. Oh, boy. Speaking of names, this morning our fourth lesson in the series... Roman numeral 10, how God's people live, brings us to the third of the Ten Commandments here in Exodus 20 and verse 7. So follow along in your Bible as I read our verse for today. Exodus 20, we pick it up with verse 7. God says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. Now, while you're pondering that for a moment, letting that sink in, watch this brief video with me. You shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hallowed be thy name. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. There's power in the name of Jesus. Take the third commandment, for example. You shall not use the Lord's name in vain. For years, I simply thought that meant not swearing or cursing using the Lord's name, but I stumbled across a simple but incredible realization. Because a more literal translation of that commandment actually reads, You shall not use the name of Yahweh for worthlessness. You shall not use the name of Yahweh casually, complacently, without respect, without value. It's the moment in time I realize that I actually break this commandment all the time. And more often than not, I break it at church. How much value, how much worth you place on the name of Jesus. Let's take a closer look at this boundary together. Again, this third boundary stated in verse 7, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The New American Standard translates it probably the way we're more familiar. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. This phrase, in vain, means to empty of content to make irrelevant, to take lightly or frivolously, to use insincerely or without thought. And so we're not to misuse or to take in vain God's name. Now to state that in positive way, I believe this third commandment is simply exalting God's name. We are to be always and forever exalting God's 
name. As we heard in the video a moment ago, when we speak of God, it is not to be with insincere or thoughtless words. When we think of God, it is not to be with casual or irreverent thoughts. When we serve God, it is not to be with empty or worthless actions. In all that we say, think, or do, we are always to be exalting God's name. To bring Him honor, to magnify Him, to distinguish Him, to uplift Him, to praise Him, to exalt Him in every way. Now let me make a couple of observations about this commandment. First of all, let's talk about the makeup of God's name. What's in a name? Anyway, we had a little fun with some names to begin with, but you know, what is in a name? Well, here's what the Bible has to say on the matter. In fact, let's read Proverbs 22 and verse 1 out loud together. Would you read it with me? A good name is more desirable than great riches. Ecclesiastes 7.1 puts it this way. A good name is better than fine perfume. There's other passages that say better than silver and gold. <laughs> and the point is, in the Bible, a person's name was virtually equivalent to the person who bore that name. That is, it expressed the very makeup of the individual identified by that particular name. And the makeup of God's name speaks of His essential nature in at least these three ways. First of all, it speaks of God's reputation. When we speak of God, Jesus Christ, Lord, there's a certain level of respect and honor, esteem and awe that those names imply. God's reputation is attached to His name, just like we attach reputation to certain names even today. Bible names are especially that way. If I name the names David and Ruth, you go, yeah, those are names of noble character. But if I say the names Jezebel and Judas, you go, I would never name my kid. Jezebel, or in fact, you don't ever hardly run into anybody. You ever notice that? Name Jezebel or Judas. It speaks of God's reputation. Secondly, it speaks of God's character. Sometimes we name people for their character. We call a lady Hope or Joy. It's especially true with nicknames, by the way. You ever notice that we nicknames oftentimes identify the character? of an individual. Now in Bible days, people were almost always named for certain character traits. In Sunday school we've been talking about Jacob, which literally means he grasped the heel. Why does it mean that? Why was he named that? Well, because remember the twins, Jacob and Esau? In the womb they even struggled with each other. And then when Esau, the first twin, was born... He was born with Jacob having grasped the heel of his brother. Literally means to supplant. It was an indication that, that Jacob would indeed become the heir. He would become the, the name bearer in the family. He would supplant his brother and the birthright that was rightfully Esau's. On a brighter note, how about the name Jesus? We use it all the time. Yeshua literally means Savior. <laughs> Deliverer. That's the meaning of the name. Sometimes a person's name was even changed due to a change in their character. For instance, Abram, which meant exalted father, to Abraham, which meant father of many or a multitude. 
Simon, remember Simon? Jesus' apostle? Simon means he has heard. Jesus renamed him, didn't he, to Peter? Which means the rock. And in like manner, God's name speaks of God's character. Thirdly, it speaks of God's authority. There's a certain degree of authority behind a name. Your cell phone rings and you look at the caller ID and it says Jerry Smith. Now, unless you have a relative named Jerry Smith, that's probably one of those names you ignore and you let it go to voicemail. But regardless of what you think of our governor, if you look at the caller ID and it says Jerry Brown, you might consider picking up that call. Why? Because there's a certain authority that goes with that name. Wow, the governor's calling me. (laughs) And likewise, when we pray in Jesus' name, sometimes we use that so tritely, in Jesus' name, amen. But to pray in Jesus' name is to pray in His authority. He's the one who opened the the gate to heaven so we could go into the very throne room of God. It is not on our authority that we do that. Please understand that. It is in Jesus' authority by His name that we even have that access to God. So what's in a name? Quite a bit. The makeup of God's name speaks of His reputation, His character, and His authority. And therefore, when we misuse God's name or we take it in vain, we are offending God Himself. We are insulting who and what God is. No wonder our text today, Exodus 20 verse 7, concludes the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. What's that mean? Hmm. Well, I'll tell you what it meant in the Old Testament. Do you realize how serious this was in Old Testament times? Leviticus 24 verse 15 tells us, anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be put to death. (laughs) They literally would haul that man or that woman outside the city wall and they would stone them if they had misused or used in vain God's name. (laughs) Whoa. I wonder if we get this today. To misuse God's name is a very serious matter. Which leads me to the second observation I'd like to make, and that's the markdown of God's name. You understand the term markdown, don't you? I mean, you go to the markdown table at the store, right? You go to the closeout rack, you know, the sale rack, the things that maybe got a little soiled or, or, or maybe they're blemished in some way or they're overstocked or the model is being replaced with a new model so there they are on sale. They're marked down. They don't have the value they once had. Psalm 139 verse 20 speaks of people who belittle, trivialize, and mark down God's name. Now since taking God's name in vain is such a serious matter, it would seem to me that we would want to know how in the world we break this commandment. I mean, how do we violate this timeless principle? How do we overstep this boundary? How do we mark down God's name and fail to exalt Him? Well, let me just suggest five possibilities. First of all, by using God's name to insult. By using God's name to insult, Isaiah confronts this issue. Isaiah 37, verses 23 and 24. Who is it you've insulted and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice? Against the Holy One of Israel. You have heaped insults on the Lord. By the way, this is probably one of the most common ways we think of when we mention 
using God's name in vain or misusing God's name. I'm talking here about profanity, swearing, cursing. Some people think that Jesus or God is only a swear word. It seems. By using God's name to insult. Secondly, by using God's name to indulge. Look at what Jesus said to the Jewish religious leaders in Matthew chapter 15. Why do you use your rules to play fast and loose with God's commands? God clearly says, respect your father and mother, but you weasel around that by saying, whoever wants to say to father and mother, what I owe to you, I've given to God. That can hardly be called respecting a parent. You cancel God's command by your rules. Frauds! Israel's prophecy... Isaiah's prophecy of you hit the bullseye. These people make a big show of saying the right thing, but their heart isn't in it. They act like they're worshiping me, but they don't mean it. They just use me as a cover for teaching whatever suits their fancy. We must be ever so careful not to ever use God's name to cover our tracks, to indulge our own wants and desires, to rationalize our behavior. You ever had somebody come to you and said, God revealed to me that... That can happen, but we better be careful. I was working with an addict not too long ago, trying to get this addict into a program to help him with his addiction. And he just hadn't hit bottom yet. He wasn't ready to do that. And He justified his behavior by saying, well, you know, I've been praying about it and God just hasn't revealed to me yet that I need to take care of this addiction. Really? What was he doing? He was blaming God for his addiction. Using God's name to indulge. Number three, by using God's name to intimidate... (laughs) To intimidate, 1 Timothy 6, verse 5, Paul speaks of believers who have lost their real hold on the truth but hope to make some profit out of Christianity. Now, he's probably talking about religious hucksters there, racketeers. We have those in our world today. But I think in a maybe different way, I like to look at that as though sometimes we use God to our advantage. And we use God's name to intimidate others. We're talking the talk without walking the walk. We're using God as a leverage to manipulate others. Again, somebody comes to you and says, Hey, you know, God told me to tell you... Well, who are we to argue with God? Well, I was praying and God revealed to me that, you know, you need to... whatever. As though we're trying to add weight or we're trying to add substance to what we say when we do that because our word's not enough. And so we add God's name to it. I mean, who's going to argue with God? In the business world, when we use someone else's name to get what we want, we call it forgery. I wonder if we're ever guilty of forgery when it comes to God's name. Number four, by using God's name to impress. To impress, God warns us in Luke 19 and verse 12, do not make a promise in My name if you do not intend to keep it. That brings disgrace on My name. But I think sometimes we use God's name to impress others. By God, I'm going to... (laughs) Or, as God is My witness, I will... 
Another way I think some of us as believers use God's name to impress others is with our spiritual jargon. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, I'm not opposed to those. In fact, I wish we did that more often around here. But if you're doing that only for a show, if you're doing that only to impress others, watch out. Number five, by using God's name impulsively. Using God's name impulsively. Let's read Matthew 12 and verse 36 out loud together. Would you read this one with me? Men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. Ooh, yikes. <laughs> I mean, we'd be better be careful not to make God an explanation point. <laughs> Good Lord! I swear to God! We must not Hear me on this one because this one's hugely popular right now. We must not reduce God's name to a wow. O-M-G. I cringe every time I see those initials. For Christ's sake! Really? And to take it even further, sometimes we're even guilty of using God's name impulsively as we sing. Like the missionary said on that video a moment ago, I, I, I violate this commandment in church. How do we do that? When we sing songs without thought, when we just kind of go through the motions of our worship without sincerity, without it coming from the bottom of our heart, when we're singing these songs and we're praying with empty thoughts. So misusing God's name, taking God's name in vain, is something that we all do. Without thinking. By the way, that maybe that's the key right there. Without thinking. We all fail at times to exalt God's name. We're all guilty of affronting His reputation, character, and authority. By using His name to insult, by using His name to indulge, by using His name to intimidate, by using His name to impress, by using His name impulsively, and I'm sure the list could go on. But that leads us to draw some conclusions. In Leviticus 22 and verse 32, God says, Do not profane my holy name. I must be acknowledged as holy. So let's get down to the practical for a moment. I mean, how do we live within this boundary? How do we apply this timeless principle to our everyday lives? How exactly can we be sure that we are always exalting God's Name. Well, let me suggest four ways that we can obey this commandment today. First of all, by responding to God's name contritely. <laughs> by responding to God's name contritely. Simply put, with a broken and a contrite heart. We need to confess our sin of misusing God's name. Each and every one of us needs to acknowledge that we have at various times and in various ways taken God's name in vain. And we need to humbly commit ourselves anew to be exalting God's name in everything we do and say and think. God said in Isaiah 42 and verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another. And as we learn with the first two commandments, you shall have no other gods before me and you shall not make for yourself an idol. We must put God first and we must worship Him purely. 
And that naturally leads us to this third command. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. We must consciously, we must intentionally look for ways to exalt God's name. We must think before we speak and act. Responding to God's name contritely. Of the five ways that I identified earlier that we misuse God's name, which one of those five that we identified just a moment ago do you struggle with the most? That's that's what I'm asking you to think about. Number two, we obey this command by reverencing God's name continually. By reverencing God's name continually. The psalmist reminds us in Psalm 29 and verse 2, ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. In other words, we are to give to God. We are to strive to gain a new respect and a reverence and offer God. We must not take His reputation, character, or authority lightly. We must not use His name carelessly or without thought. I wonder, again, do we really get this? The Jews did. At least some of them. Back when they used to copy the Old Testament Scriptures, they didn't have printing presses, copy machines. So they had to do it by hand. And they would do it in a building called a scriptorium. And there would be a reader at the front who would have the parchment open reading God's Word. And he would read through a phrase and then there would be desks out here and there would be scribes seated at each of the desks and they would dip their pen in the ink and they would copy very meticulously, very laboriously the Word of God word by word by word. Imagine that. We're indebted to them, by the way. But you know what happened when, when they came to the name Jehovah? <laughs> Yahweh, the Lord... And, and the reader came to that in the Scripture as he was dictating it to them, you know what they would do? He would stop and he would never say the name Yahweh. Out of respect for God, for the Lord, he would never say God's name. All he would say is the name. And all the scribes would stop and they would put down their pen. And they would pick up a brand new pen. <laughs> And they would dip it in the ink. And they would write Yahweh with that fresh new pen. They could not run out of ink because if they did, they had to tear the parchment up and throw it away. If anybody interrupted them while they were writing the name, they would ignore that person. They would write that name, Yahweh. When they were done, the scribes would look up so the reader would know they were finished. And all of them would take that that pen that was used one time for one word, Yahweh, and they would break it and they would throw it away. That's how much respect. That's how much awe. That's how much wonder they had for the name of God. Do we even understand that? One of the ways we learn to reverence God's name continually is just by learning His various names in the Bible. 
Psalm 9 and verse 10 tells us those who know your name will trust in you. So the question is, do we know God's name? Did you know there are over a hundred different titles, a hundred different kinds of names for God and Jesus in the Bible? In fact, just to help you out here, I gave you a second insert this morning. I don't know if you saw that in your bulletin. This is not an exhaustive list. In fact, I only gave you ten names of God. There are 99 of them in the Old Testament. And I only gave you ten names of Jesus on the reverse side. Titles that they wear. You, you, you can see there's scriptures related to that and comments about what they mean and so on. Maybe this is something you could take into your quiet time in the coming weeks. I mean, and you could just spend some time dwelling for just a moment, even if you took one a day for the next 20 days, and just spend some time thinking about who is God, who is Jesus, what names are given to them, and what do they mean? And then just pause and Praise God and exalt His name. Reverence His name. So second, we can apply this command by reverencing God's name continually. Number three, by representing God's name clearly. We can obey this third commandment by representing the name of God clearly and distinctly by our lives. Let's read 2 Timothy 2 and verse 19 out loud together. Read this with me. Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. You see what that says? I mean, our walk must match our talk. Our lifestyle must clearly line up with our confession. If we are wearing Christ's name, Christian, we had better not misrepresent Him in any way to those around us. Think about that one. I read one commentator this last week said, there are only two reasons people don't become Christians. Think about this with me. The first reason is they've never met a Christian. I mean, think about that for a minute. Isn't that true? We have unreached people groups in the 1040 window, millions of people who have never met a Christian. They've never met somebody who wears the name of Christ. They, they've never heard the good news about Jesus Christ. So they don't have an opportunity to become a Christian because they haven't heard that. The second reason why people don't become Christians... Because they've met a Christian. Ouch. You ever heard somebody say, if that's what Christians are like, I'll never become one? That may be a lame excuse, we say, but shame on us. Shame on us. We must represent... God's name very clearly in all that we do and say and think. Paul puts it this way in Colossians 3 and verse 17. Whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus. The question then is, how well do I represent Jesus Christ to those around me? When they look at my life, do they see Christ in me? Number four, we can obey this commandment by relying upon God's name completely. By relying upon God's name 
Completely. The psalmist burst out with joy in Psalm 33, 21. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. Friend, listen to me. Don't rely upon your own name. Don't rely upon the name of your church. Don't rely upon the name of your pastor because their reputation, character, and authority will let you down. Only rely upon God's name. Completely. You can trust Him wholeheartedly. You can put your faith in His reputation, character, and authority. He will never, ever fail you. That's why Peter told us in Acts 4 and verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. We can, we must rely upon that name wholeheartedly and completely. There is no other name. So here are four practical ways we can live within this boundary. Four practical applications for exalting God's name. By responding to God's name contritely, by reverencing God's name continually, by representing God's name clearly, and by relying upon God's name completely. Which brings us to a time of decision. Roman numeral 10, how God's people live. This morning we've taken a closer look at the third of the Ten Commandments, exalting God's name here in Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. We began, remember, with the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before Me. And the second commandment, you shall not make for yourself an idol. And we come now to this third commandment, which this is, by the way, your memory verse for this coming week. In fact, let's say it out loud together. Would you read it with me? You shall not... Oh, it's so good to hear you say that. <laughs> let's all memorize this verse in the coming week. And then let's all look for opportunities to discuss this with those around us. <laughs> Again, I hope you've been doing that. I've been challenging you to do that every week. It's interesting to ask somebody, what do you think it means... To not misuse the name of God? What do you think it means to not take God's name in vain? Interesting conversations around that. And then look for ways to apply this personally to your own life every day. Ask God to open up your eyes that you would see ways where you're not exalting His name, where you need to make some course corrections. Remember the law of the lighthouse? So it's decision time, and here's the question. What's the main point of today's lesson, and how will it impact me personally this week?